Welcome to Loan Pack Conversations. I'm Ashwarya, your host. And with me, I have Ryan Bonici, a renowned leader in today's marketing world. Hi, Ryan. It's great to have you in our session today. Hey, it's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, Ryan, you're the Chief Marketing Officer at G2, one of the world's leading review and app listing platforms. You also serve on the Board of Directors for the mental health nonprofit Bring Change to Mind. How is it to manage both nonprofit and revenue-based leadership roles at the same time? You know, um, it's a it's an interesting challenge, um, but it makes it really fun because I feel like you know a lot of the work I do at G two, which um, is you know obviously very revenue focused. You know, mm-hmm. luckily it's in an area that I really love, and you know I'm super passionate about technology and software, so I love that role um, and it pays me, which is great. And then on the flip side, um, you know, the work I do with Bring Change to Mind, while it doesn't pay me in the same sense, um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, an, around an area that's really important to me. And um, and so, yeah, it's nice to kind of give back in, in a way that's not revenue actually. So yeah, it's quite fun. Um, but there's definitely sometimes a, a challenge at times for me to prioritize um, between the two. Yeah, I think uh, the giving back to the community part is extremely, you know, heartwarming. And I, I can understand because I come from the same marketing background and I also end up working in a, a nonprofit as well. So I think I sort of find a personal connect with you and I absolutely agree with the point that you were mentioned right now. <laughs> so you're a CMO under 30. Congratulations on this. And I'm sure this isn't an easy journey for you. How is it to handle the pressures of your role and have those pressures at any time taken a toll on your mental health? Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's definitely unusual. Um, you know, when I was really little, I, um, at about the age of 10, for some reason, knew I wanted to be a CMO. And, and I weirdly <laughs> knew I wanted to be a CMO by the age of 30. So <laughs> clearly you can tell I was a bit of an unusual kid, but um, it was very cool to um, to finally reach that, um, that I guess, that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got there a couple months after my 29th birthday. So, um yeah, it was bizarre, and I wasn't. I don't think I was even necessarily trying. I, I kind of had forgotten about the 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 thirty age compact co- component because I kind of didn't really care about getting there by thirty once I got a bit older. But when it actually happened, it reminded me. So, anywho, thank you for that. Um, you know, I guess in terms of you know how to handle the pressures of the role. I mean, I think what helps for me the most is a few things, but. You know, I have a really amazing team at G2 that I've built. So, you know, when I joined the business, gosh, we might have had, well, I don't know, maybe five people on the team. And now kind of a year and a half on the marketing team is at around 60 to 70 folks. So um, lots crazy. of growth, really crazy growth. So that was a lot of fun, but it was also pretty stressful. And, you know, I think I... Definitely, you know, in the last two years, um, you know, have needed a lot of, um, I don't know, I've needed to do a lot of things to help manage the pressure. So, you know, for example, I get, you know, like a a sports massage once a week, which is not Mm -hmm. fun, quite painful, but (laughs) I find that helps me release stress. I get, you know, acupuncture every week. I go to the Cairo. I I do a lot of kind of, I guess, self-care activities, you could maybe call them. 
as well as seeing therapists regularly, you know, weekly, if not twice a week, um, to kind of help me work on, you know, my mind, help me, you know, keep working on my body. And, you know, I think if I can keep both of them as healthy as possible, I'll, I'll be set totally. up for success. Yeah, totally. And to, you know, start off, I think uh, when you said you wanted to be a CMO right at the age of, say, 10, I think I've read this short story where uh, you were fancied by the emails that your father gets in the phone. And I think <laughs> you really wanted to be a CMO right Yeah, I was a really funny kid like that. I used to, yeah, my, <laughs> my dad was a business owner. And so, yeah, I used to see him always on his phone getting emails. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to tell him, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. I can't wait. <laughs> I can have a phone and I'll get emails and that'll mean I'm important and people need me. <laughs> um, I think that's the best fanciest dream a child can have, you know, seeing the father yeah. do that and you sort of get inspired. Nice to know, Ryan. And I love the way you, you know, you brought the point of seeing therapists as a, a form of self-care and a form of um, maintaining the, the body and the mind balance. So I really like that point because most of the people today think um, going to therapists is, you know, sort of an extra work or still many people think it's a taboo so i think uh, coming from you and coming from an experience as yours i think it's, it's a very good point that you stated thanks mm-hmm. so what are some ways you shattered the stigma around mental health within your organization you know i think um i mean so i guess shattering stigma is really what bring change to mind is all about um because i think you know at bring change to mind when we did all the research we saw that there's a lot of great mm-hmm. services out there for people that are aware of their mental health and, you know, their mental health challenges um, and are, you know, proactively seeing therapists. You know, we see great results. My wife actually is a clinical mm-hmm. psychologist. Um, so, you know, we met actually in psychology class back at university. And um, and and I think what we saw in the, in the world was that, yeah, the, the problem wasn't, you know, helping folks once they had raised their hand and asked for help. The problem was most people don't ask for help. I think 80% of people that have a mental health condition don't actually seek help. And those that do seek help on average 10 years after when they would have been diagnosable. So the, the symptoms and the problems that have been there for 10 years is the average time frame it takes for someone to get help. Um, and so, you know, we did more and more research and realized the reason why people weren't getting help sooner was because there was this stigma around mental health to your point and so um Mm -hmm. you know i I think i don't i don't necessarily sit down every day and think about how am i going to shatter the stigma around mental health within my company but i guess you know i try and be really vulnerable and authentic and open with people about my own challenges and i think by me doing that i have noticed other people have come to me and shared with me their challenges and, and have said to me that me talking about that has helped them feel comfortable talking about them and get therapy and stuff. And so um, I think kind of the best way to, yeah, kind of drive change in that space is ultimately to to just be open and, and tell people the truth about what you're going through, good and bad. And, um, and I think that helps them mm-hmm. start to realize that it is a safe space. So, yeah, coincidentally, I think Lone Pack's motive is also to shatter the stigma on mental health. And that was a really valid statement when you said people 
people have to be vulnerable people have to be open about um, the emotions that they go through and i think um, impact needn't be always a greater thing it can be just small you know act of kindness and that can actually go a long way so as you said get that impact done uh, with a self motive and get that out to people so that more people get influenced by you and try to do the same thing and i think impact spreads in that way absolutely mm -hmm. in a recent article you spoke about how being bullied had a part in your success today could you elaborate more on that absolutely you know, I think for me, kind of growing up, um, you know, and I, I was, you know, I mentioned I was a little bit odd and different. I was always really shy growing up. And so, you know, I was also an only child. And so I just think I wasn't great at knowing how to make friends or I'm not sure what it was. I think I was still a pretty nice kid, but I don't know if it was I was shy or I was just like a really easy target for bullies maybe. And so, I, you know, that I think that was tough and that kind of I guess you know shaped me in certain ways some of which were good and others which weren't good but um you know I think I was I've been able to I guess like work on some of like the trauma from from that and from childhood but you know at the same time I think for me um like it's hard to say I wouldn't want to have that had not happened to me because um, you know, I, I really like the person I am today and I, mm -hmm. who knows like, what person I would have been had I not have had that happen to me and I not have had to work on myself. And so, yeah, I don't, tell, I don't, wouldn't say like I regret any of that stuff, but, um, I definitely regret not getting therapy earlier, um, in life. Yeah. I think recounting and, uh, always getting back to childhood and relating it to the present they uh, views is very important and and it's good that all of us need to start doing that so yeah um you're featured as one of the most authentic cmos by drift another giant in the saas industry how do you think authenticity can help c-suite leaders contribute to the mental health of the team members and on the whole the entire workforce Look, I think authenticity can help c-suite leaders contribute to the mental health of their team members um, because I think it it's so different from, you know, the standard and the traditional leadership kind of model and the leadership role that most managers take, right? And I think it's important to kind of mm -hmm. think about management and leadership are two very different things. And even if you're a manager, you might not be a leader. And so, um, okay. yeah, and so I think kind of by, you know, the old school way of management really was, you know, kind of keeping control, not sharing everything with the team, keeping people in the dark, only telling them the minimum they need to know. You know, if I think of a recent example for me was, you know, we had, I had to let two people go on my team this week because they had, you know, really bad attitudes. And, um, you know, we'd given them a lot of feedback on developing on these things and they just didn't. And, um, you know, you know, that I'm just, I'm just simplifying it, obviously, because I don't want to go into the details here. I understand. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think I, I was really proud in that, you know, when we had to tell this to the team, the bigger team, mm -hmm. um, and we asked questions, we were able to be really authentic with them about, you know, um, what we expect from our employees and why they shouldn't be afraid for their own jobs. And, and I got so many pieces of feedback and, you know, small notes saying that, you know, by being so authentic in that situation and, and telling our employees that like, you know, it does suck. Like this isn't a fun experience. 
for the folks that are let go, but also for like us as a team. But you know, we will we, grow stronger from it, etc. And um, and anywho, so I think kind of just by opening up and being authentic, it means that you you get that back from your employees, and so now they're being more authentic with you, which means as a leader, you can do your job better because you know where there are problems or opportunities or difficulties faster because those people are coming to you more quickly. And so, um, yeah, I think that's how it has, has impacted me. I think from your words, I can sense that a great team actually needs more transparency because it's not just um, called a great team because they do great work or they do something really big. I think it's more about how um, they treat the fellow people and what kind of attitude they have with the fellow people and yeah to identify the limitations to identify the strengths and addressing the issues good or bad i think that forms the strength of a team and that actually grows to an organization level as well be it the top management or the c-suite you wrote in your recent article for howard business review on how as a boss you encourage your employees to consider outside job offers that's interesting does this have anything to do with the mental health concept or was it something else that drove you to pick this thought? Yeah, I, so I think where this kind of came from for me uh, and this concept, it wasn't tied into mental health really. It was really more about, um, you know, I think I, I, had, I was just kind of examining my own career and I'm often asked by, you know, my, my peers and my employees kind of, you know, questions on career and growing and, so I kind of reflected on, you know, my my past decade in marketing and how I had gotten to where I had got got. And I think a big part of it for me was that I've just always been very happy to chat to people if, you know, they reach out to me about a role that seems interesting and at a company that's doing interesting things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I probably only take, like I'll only actually reply and, you know, set up a call with maybe gosh, I don't know, 5% of the people that actually reach out to me just because, you know, a lot of them are, you know, just maybe not the right roles or the companies aren't, you know, the right fit for what I would be interested in next. And so I never, I don't chat to that many people throughout the year, but um, but anyway, I, I am always doing that. And, and the reason is that I'm kind of always interested in just learning, you know, A, what roles are out there and, um, and you know, like, like what is my value? What is my worth right now? And so by kind of being kind of like involved in those conversations just reactively if those folks are reaching out has helped me then kind of work out like oh wow like companies are saying they they would pay me this much to do this job at their companies i don't want to work at those companies but i and i love where i am right now but maybe i need to speak to my boss because i am not at the right market pay rate mm-hmm. um you know, and, and again that that allows me then to just have a a really like simple and professional discussion with my boss where I say, hey, you know, I, I love working at this company. I want to stay here, but I'm getting offers, you know, at, you know, 20% more than, than what I'm currently on. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to leave, but I'm kind of considering some of these offers at the moment just because of the fact that, um, you know, that extra 20% would be really helpful for me and my family situation. Um and so mm-hmm. I think like whenever I've had to do that, and I haven't done that very many times, maybe only once or twice in my career, you know, my boss has always come back to me and, you know, been able to offer me more responsibility and, you know, more compensation. And, you know, I, I'm, my 
my message here is that you know you shouldn't just go and try and blackmail your boss <laughs> to that you're going to leave them because <laughs> because I think the reality is you need to be very very well aware if you get on the, this path and that I'm talking about is I would only ever do that if I'm like very willing to leave and and happy to leave because. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it could go wrong and now your boss might not want you on the team. So like you should never have that conversation unless you are going to leave if there isn't a change at work. Um, but so, you know, I think by kind of helping them see that, like by also being open about that in my experience with my employees, I find my employees will come to me and chat to me when they're, you know, chatting or interviewing with the company. Um, and you know, it's weird that that isn't, it's weird to say, but th that isn't weird for me. Like I, I would, you know, if they're rock stars in our team, like I would love to coach them in terms of how they get their next job because they're going to mm -hmm. leave G2 being a total advocate for our company, a total advocate for me, a total advocate for their career. And, you know, they might, they'll know people obviously based in Chicago that might be looking for jobs that they will refer. Like, it's not a bad thing, right? Like you don't always, you don't want the same people on your team forever. Just like you don't want the same CMO forever. You need to mix things up. And so, sure, you know, yeah. I'm kind of realistic with my team around the fact that like, I'm not going to be here forever, nor do I expect them to, to pretend that they are, you know? Yeah, true that. It's a perfect analysis actually. And in you know, most corporates work on this format, most of the employees today, they want more uh, valued, proactive, sort of empathetic and a realistic leader so that they feel confident discussing about uh, their issues or their their future growth opportunities of the fact any um, any other better opportunities they get from outside. And uh, the way you mentioned that, you know, the people who are addressing this should be confident, should should have solid thoughts before actually talking about this to their bosses. So I think on both the fronts, having a certain realistic attitude and having a certain amount of transparency and candidness really helps. So it's, it's wonderful to know that you've been a leader who's actually doing that and who's actually been helping out many employees with this fact, right? Thank you. So what's your view on employees taking a day off for mental health, popularly termed in today's corporates as the mental health day? My view on it is that it is, it is great and more employees should take mental health days when they need them and more employers should openly talk about them as well as, as an option for folks to take. Um, and, I, and I genuinely think the only way realistically to actually make people start to take these sorts of things is for leadership teams to actually do that themselves and show that it's it's an okay thing to do. So I have definitely had days where I've canceled on all of my meetings in the morning just because I haven't been in the right you know frame of mind for that day. Mm -hmm. And I've told my employees that I'm having a mental health day, and um, you know that has encouraged them to know that they can do the same, which has been a nice feeling. Certainly. So I think leaders set the right example. And yeah, I think for the people who are hearing it out now, at least now they would start considering taking a day off for their mental issues or taking a day off because the mood wasn't right would really make sense. So how important is mental health from a workplace angle? And what are some simple steps an organization or say a team can take to ensure emotional wellness? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, you know, most your, your mental health in the workplace is, you know, I don't think it's any different from your, you know, your mental health at home. I mean, I, everything with regard to mental health is connected. And, 
how you're sleeping, how stressed you are at home, at work. I mean, you know, all these things and many more affected. Um, and so I think like some really simple things folks can do is to just a get get better at identifying when they, you know, have a lower score for their mental health of a certain day. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they wake up and they don't feel like they're in a great mood, instead of necessarily having heaps of coffee or a sugary drink to try and feel better, like just sit with your emotions and try and work out, you know, what what is making you feel down, you know, is a step one. I think for me, that's something that's been really helpful is also, you know, I turn off most notifications from my apps on my phone. So, you know, my phone never buzzes for any app. It only buzzes and vib- like, it'll only vibrate if someone's calling or if someone sends me a, a, a cell, like an SMS message. But if you Facebook mm-hmm. message me, WhatsApp me, Slack me, email me, et cetera, like none of those notifications vibrate my phone and they don't actually even come through on my screen. I have them completely muted. So the only way I can see a notification is if I actually go into the app itself. Um, and that was a really kind of um, conscientious thing or conscious thing I needed to do because, um, you know, I was just finding I was getting overwhelmed and I was anxious in the day because my phone was just binging every other second. Um, and mm-hmm. it was super disruptive to me and my day to day. So, you know, just putting in some kind of really kind of intentional changes around notifications was one big way to help. Um, and then I think the third and kind of like final thing I would say is, um, I think, you know, just kind of identifying if your work is a safe space for this sort of a thing and look and looking at how you start to have that conversation with your boss or if you're a boss, like with your employees around kind of mental health. And that doesn't mean a boss needs to say to their employees, you know, how is your mental health today? <laughs> but I mean, asking questions that might help open up an employee around like, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, most people will give you a bit of an, a response that's work-related. And then I'll always follow up with, like, yeah, and how are you doing outside of work? Like, how how are you doing as a person? And, you know, that then is kind of like showing my employee, I think, that, you know, this one-on-one or this meeting or this conversation or this relationship is is a safe space for them to open up. And so that's sort of how I, how I do it. Great. I see three main tips. Sir, I think living through your emotions, uh, minimal notifications, and uh, kind of retrospection, and having a personal conversation with, say, your boss or anybody that you feel like talking to at workplace. I think uh, it will really help a lot of people out there. Coming to with a closure, I think uh, I'd like to have one last question, which um, I think is is one of the most debatable questions and I think most important question that most corporates need to look into. So as a top-tier management leader, do you think every company should invest more on providing mental wellness support in the form of, say, therapy sessions, relaxation benefits, and so on? I mean, absolutely. Um, You know, I really think that, you know, for any company to be successful, it starts with their employees. And so... Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you need to hire the best employees, obviously. You need to run the best training to help employees become better and keep learning. Um, and, and I think you need to kind of support them in their journey, right? So just as, you know, you would allow, some, most companies would allow someone to, you know, get extra training in their job area to make them better. Um, I don't think there's any difference in terms of like training around how we function 
in our health, whether that's our body. So, you know, businesses are pretty comfortable today with giving gym compensation for like the employees to go to a gym or having an internal gym and more and more companies now that are really creating amazing cultures and really motivated employees are doing the same with mental health too. And so, yeah, big fan. And, and I'm excited that more and more businesses and, and some of like the world's best leaders are realizing that it's not just about the work, you know, it's about the person that gets the work done too. Yes, certainly. Thank you, Ryan. I think it was a great opportunity for me to speak to you about how mental health is perceived in the corporate front, especially coming from a C-suite leader, and what your honest experiences and views are being a CMO of a world-renowned company. We are immensely pleased and we extend our hearty congratulations to you on behalf of Lone Pack for all the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you very much once again. Thanks so much for having me again. Really enjoyed it.